0: To the Lotox Life podcast. I am Alex Stewart, your host, and this is the first show of 2017. I'm so excited to have you guys back for another year. This will be our first full year because we started last year in July. And want to thank you so much for uh, all of the wonderful comments and reviews and feedback. Thank you to everybody who filled out the survey. I'm going to pop that survey again in today's show notes for anyone who didn't get a chance just before um, the holidays there because I would really appreciate your feedback on topics you really want help with, health challenges you want explored. Um, You can be as hippie, woo-woo ecological sustainable uh medical anything that helps us live a beautiful low-tox life so uh, i can't wait to keep getting more and more responses for the survey because uh, they're just so useful to me to produce a great show for you guys now i hope everyone took a little bit of a break over the holidays it's uh, a wonderful time to Chill out and regenerate before we kick off a new year. And I hope your January has been fabulous so far. And here we are already at the end of January, uh, which brings me to show 23. And I thought I would bring on, you know, we had the lovely Julia talking about goal setting and. Uh, there might actually be a number of you guys who have decided to join her 100-day goal who are already in there at the moment. Never fear, there's always another 100-day goal that she runs uh, several times a year. So um, if you go back and you listen to that show, that's completely fine. You haven't missed out, you can just do the next one. So we finished the year around goal setting and I thought we could start the year on uh, procrastination. But rather than quite a sort of vanilla look at procrastination, and how we all procrastinate and this is a few tips on how not to. I brought one of my favourite people back, uh, Dr Fiona Kerr. She is obviously... an expert in all things brain, being a doctor of the brain. And she she just has some brilliant, brilliant, very scientific reasons for the tips that she's giving us today on how to actually build an anti-procrastination muscle, because it can be a very weak muscle for many of us, or maybe it can be, but just for certain areas in our lives that we tend to procrastinate off or types of tasks. And Fiona takes us through what's going on in our brains when we procrastinate and how to actually mitigate the the nasty procrastination that often makes us feel quite sad about everything we're not achieving. Instead, how much nicer would it be to feel excited about everything we are achieving? Uh, And now this isn't about like cramming five billion things into your day and becoming like crazy productive and, and always getting stuff done. It's not about Ditching, relaxation, or anything like that. This is actually just about being more effective in general. And I find uh, something that I've certainly learned, and it took me a long, long time to learn this lesson, is a sense of discipline actually brings more freedom. Even though it might sound like the word discipline gives us less freedom, it actually gives us more because if we're disciplined and, and able to not procrastinate on the things we want to get done, then we get them done. What happens when we've got stuff done? We can chill out. And that means more beach time, more forest walks, more hanging out with the kids, more coffees with your friends. And, you know, who doesn't want more of that in our lives? And often it's because we procrastinate that we then sort of sit at the computer because we feel like at least we're sitting at the computer or sit at that task, whatever it might be, because at least we're there trying to get it done, even though we're not getting it done and our brain's going 5 million other directions. And in fact, that is actually what we're a slave to, just being there, suffering, trying to get it done. So... I hope you enjoy today's show because I think if by the end of today's show you feel like you've got some fresh ideas around combating procrastination and, and building a bit of an anti-procrastination muscle, then that means you're going to have way more time to get more things done or to do less and relax based on what your other priorities are. So enjoy my chat today with Dr. Fiona Kerr. I sure did. And here's to a beautiful year of the Low Tox Life podcast. Thanks for listening. Hello Fiona, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? I am super well and uh, I can't tell you how much fantastic feedback we had from the chat we had a few months ago around sleep, which was I think show number three, everybody absolutely adored it. So of course you have to come back on the show, of course you do.
1: (laughs) Hopefully, people are sleeping better. let's see. Like, let's see if
0: we can get them to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, sleep better, and then now today we're trying to do stuff. So it's it's actually a really nice uh, thing for anyone who did who missed show number three on the podcast. Please go back after today's show and listen, because I think the two shows together are going to really um, be quite a beautiful thing for just feeling more rested yet more effective. Like who doesn't want those two things? So procrastination is the name of the game today. What's happening with our brains? Let's start there. When we procrastinate, why what like what's going on up there?
1: Yeah. A lot. Okay. Uh, so it very much depends on why you procrastinate. So if we take a step back even and differentiate between procrastination between delaying things and between Sort of escaping from a thing you don't want to do. They're all actually quite different. Mm -hmm. And the reason, the only reason I make that point is because some people, once they get frustrated about being procrastinators, they lump all of those things together. And they're not actually that. the same, um, because all of us at some times have to delay things for very good reasons, mm. and also all of us at some time just need to, to chill out, to escape from something, either physically or mentally, you know, to go and meditate, to, to do that whole abstraction thing I talk about a lot, which is the daydreaming, because that's really good for your brain. That actually allows your brain to to go into abstraction mode, to come out of task, to cross-connect and to come up with new ideas, which is why when you have a tough problem and you stare out the window for a couple of minutes, you go, oh, that's it. Now that's oh. quite different to procrastination.
0: Okay, because in the TED Talk you did recently, both of us were part of the TEDx Northern Sydney Institute, and I loved and have taken away with me this little daydreaming tip that you you gave, which helps us empty and open our brains, as opposed to. And your example was the coffee queue, uh, where yes. as opposed to firing up the phone while we're waiting for the coffee um, order to get in, which actually fills and constricts our brains. And I just thought that was the most fantastic, simple takeaway, just leave that phone in the darn bag and stare out into space. It is so therapeutic. I actually am shocked by how therapeutic that's been (laughs) for me. I really am. So a a total tangent, and it is our first tangent. I'm sure there'll be a couple more, but had to be mentioned (laughs) because you just brought it up again, what that beautiful daydream does. And it, it actually makes us more it, – it, does it help us be more energised to do things, to create more space like that?
1: Yes. Yeah. Because what happens when you're really um, – and, and this is very relevant to procrastination because it happens in both situations. So what happens when we're trying to – Solve a task, get on with the difficult problem, because you procrastinate much more over something that's hard or that you perceive as hard, it's subjectively difficult, than you do over something which is subjectively easy. Um, and that's because, mm-hmm. well, it's because you use, it's more cognitive load. It's harder. It's cognitively more, more taxing. So I think we've talked before about the fact that we're, we can be quite quite sloth like cognitively the reason the brain creates habits is because that makes it easy so the brain loves patterns loves habits and procrastination is very much a habit so so back to your question when we are deep down in trying to do something or solve a task we just you know how you get stuck I don't know about you but probably for all of us if we think, right, we really have to concentrate on this, and you go down these rabbit holes, you get stuck in this minutiae, you know, you chase yep. off a, an idea, yep. especially if you're writing something, and, and I can kind of come up 20 minutes later and go, that's probably actually not very relevant. I found it interesting, but it's really not relevant. I shouldn't be looking at it. But what I've done is I've, I've distracted myself because that's somewhere I wanted to mm. go rather than staying on task. So that's one way that we, we get off we get off task, but we do all sorts of things, not wanting to just maintain our concentration. And and what then happens is if we manage to concentrate really hard, then we're also driving our brain into what we consider is finding all the relevant information to solve that task or to write that thing. And quite often that means that we narrow down our vision, whereas when we sit back, look out the window and go into that abstraction mode, we've actually got a lot of the information that we need. Because of the way that our brain fractionates information over all different areas, sometimes, very often, some of the very relevant information is sitting somewhere else. And if you let mm. the brain go, it goes off and finds it and goes, oh, this bit's really relevant. But that doesn't happen when you're being really tasky. So that's why abstraction, imagine it like, oh, it's probably a very silly way to think about it, but imagine it like lots and lots and lots of little octopi in your head. And and when, you, when you're going to task you're pushing their little tentacles in certain places and going no look there only look there but when you let go when you abstract you let them trot off and and reach across other things and go that's that shiny thing i've been wanting to take to reach for half an hour this person wouldn't let me do it but i know that that's relevant Mm. you know so off they go and they can they can go and have a ball and they actually collect your brain's very good at knowing where relevant information is but we get in the way. We get in the way when we distract it and we get in the way when we get too tasky because we get tired and we our criteria narrows down. So it's a, like a refresher. It, it lets everything go and it can bounce back to where it should be and then you, you can kind of start again. So that's one of the reasons it's so refreshing.
0: And what, what are some of the examples of little tiny things we can do <laughs> to refresh ourselves in that way other than daydreaming? Could it just be changing what we're doing right then?
1: It can. So one of the things that you should always do, especially if you're stuck in a big a big project, is the kind of 25-minute rule. So um, if you've been sitting reading or trying to write or trying to do a project plan or whatever it is for 25 minutes, um, get up. Okay. <laughs> you know, walk around. And, in fact, there's some really interesting evidence, um, especially if you're on your own, you don't feel like such a tweet. Um, you, if you get up and for one minute run as fast as you can on the spot, like really, really run on the spot. So for girls that have got high heels, take your shoes off. What you do is when you're pushing yourself to task, your cortisol goes up. You know, you get stressed. Yeah. And a one-minute burst burns off cortisol. So ah, it's really interesting. Yes. And I, I learned that from a kind of a neuroscience guy in health and, uh, training. But it's really relevant in the area of uh, business, much longer and you start to build it up again because you get tired and all those other things. But just a really fast burst, um, that actually burns off cortisol. But if you don't want to do that, then just go for a five-minute walk and look at other things. What you don't do is you don't flick onto the web and surf the web for five mm. minutes, which is what a Which syndrome. is what
0: we're all doing. Yes. Yes, that's what we're all doing and we think it's a, a nice little welcome change of scene but actually it just yep. fills up our brains with a whole bunch more stuff that wears us down right
1: yes it's it's a it mm. distracts our brain with with trivia and um, but the trouble that i mean cognitive trivia because what it does is as soon as you not only have you not got up because you actually need to move there's a muscle a very small muscle behind your ankle Um, of each leg and if you if you get up about every 25 minutes and you move around for a couple of minutes then what you do is you start that muscle pumping and that does all sorts of things for your body as well as your brain and one of the things that it does which is really important is it's one of the major things we can do to stop issues around sitting still because we sit too much in jobs um, if we do that far too much if we sit for hours and hours a day we get pre-diabetic states in all sorts of aspects of our bodies. And that's one of the reasons that we put on weight and get really unhealthy when we sit around. So if you move every 25 minutes, then you also have a, you don't well, you minimise um, some of those factors as well. So there's all sorts of reasons for getting up for, even if it's just five minutes, and either taking a walk around your block and coming back or taking a walk around the garden if you're working at home or a walk around the office area. But if you just sit there, then you've got that physiological um, issue of you're not, you're not doing anything. You're also not using your motor neuron system, which you, you kicks in as soon as you start moving around. And you're looking on the web. So you're getting all of those lovely kind of... <laughs> the little shiny baubles of of novelty detectors, and you're just surfing across lots of ads and things that are being thrown at you, and um, and that just clutters your inbox of your brain up even more.
0: Yes, absolutely. It just, I mean, it, it, so much of it comes back to the positivity of movement and and freeing up space and creating white space, doesn't it? And it's yes. almost counterintuitive it out of the industrial revolution where it's all been about this push to productivity and achieve more and do more and get more done. And who's the last one in the office? You're the champion. You know, that kind of mentality that most of our generation has been brought up on in the workplace. And, you know, whether you go on to then have families and, and, and leave work for a time or, you know, but we've all still got this sense of responsibility to achieving and cramming as much in as possible, which then because we feel like we need to be on, right. um. Tell me if I'm wrong. It also makes us stay on, and then actually start to achieve less because we're not triggering all those feel good, making space, mono neuron things that you were talking about before. I'm so not. I'm so not a brain scientist. Yeah. But do you, you know, it's it's totally counterintuitive to what is actually going to help us achieve more in less time. I find that fascinating.
1: Yeah, and even in the workplace. I spend a lot of my time now talking to um, organisations about how to use technology for productivity because so much of it drives us to a lack of productivity. Um, you know, if you're on all the time, if you have, if you're always expected to answer email, if you're always expected to answer your phone, you don't do the deep dive work which is critical to good quality work and good quality thinking. Because you can't apply yourself because you keep getting distracted and your brain keeps having to pack up and unpack all the data that it's trying to use. Um, So there are very, that might be be another discussion. There are really good ways around organizations getting productive work with the use of technology. You have to understand how to use technology as an enabler, Mm. not as a trap
0: yeah as an enabler not as a trap that's the key isn't it it can be our friend
1: yes it can and and if you remember oh no the last week i was i was speaking at wide for wonder and one of the one of the speakers is Dandapani and i i've spoken with him before and so we've become friends and what's fascinating is our discussions so he's a monk and he's a monk um who lives in new york and he uh, spends time actually talking about getting into that space, that meditative space with businesses and at conferences. But he wanted to be a monk from four. And the relevant part of why I'm telling you this is considering he wanted to be a monk at four and he went in and went into the monastery, they use iPads and technology. Really? At certain time, at, but But it's at certain times of the day only. And it's for certain things only. And so it's not that they don't use any form of technology, but they have a wonderful way of having decided exactly what the positive use of it is for them, and that's what they do. And so it's a perfect example of using something very modern and yet maintaining that capacity to live in a, you know, basically an eight-foot-by-eight-foot beautiful little sort of hut Mm. and most of the time be comfortable with yourself which he actually said he took a year and a half to do so if we come coming back around procrastination and um, and distracting yourself all the time where that constant distraction we're very not very good at, at insight into ourselves we don't kind of like that quiet letting quiet come into your head because we're so used to being distracted and keeping ourselves distracted and he said it probably took him about a year and a half to really be comfortable with just having nothing and and saying hello me. Wow, yes. Yeah. So um, I
0: feel a great sense of comfort if, you know, a, a world-famous monk uh-uh. <laughs> is someone who has admitted to finding it difficult to simply let go and say hello me and do nothing. I think that's yeah. quite comforting. That's, you know, folks. Yeah. That's why we're finding it a little bit tricky. It's um it is actually fundamentally quite tricky. Why do you think we're afraid mm-hmm. of stopping everything and just being?
1: Oh. Um, it, it's probably a different discussion of procrastination that we're having but we there's a lot of really interesting things around self-awareness and when you don't distract yourself when you go into that abstraction kind of process where you really are just allowing free thought then we what we get is we get surfacing things that we don't like as well as things that we do like. And, and human beings are naturally avoidance-based with those things unless they learn to be comfortable. And one of the problems we've got is we're probably one of the worst cultures now in being able to just, just exist with the things that surface that aren't good. And that's a very long conversation around how we are brought up, how we bring up children, um, how we create resilience, because if, if we're brought up that we're not perfect and that there's various things that, of course, we'll do wrong and various things that aren't good about the world, but there are things that we are really good and wonderful at and there are good parts of the world and it's around balance and it's around the dance between them and it's around learning about yourself and being at peace with what you don't like as well as what you do then those cultures are much better at just being with those thoughts we have a relentless drive towards the the perfect photo the the fake positive life on Facebook the the texting on a smartphone as soon as you get it when you're 11 about the cool pictures and the and the selfies it's it's oh, it's so destructive <laughs> to mm. ex- to accepting ourselves as a rounded person and we're actually building people that are not rounded people that are not cap- capable of sitting in the space of themselves and accepting what is not, you know, perfect or wonderful. Yet at the same time, we, we lower because of, and again, it might be another discussion, we are having less and less in the way of empathic connectivity with other people. So we, we have this drive to be perfect, but it's much, very much around how we look and what we own, and those, you know, th- what what we consider as perfection—the
0: societal checklist.
1: Yes, and it's and it's fairly superficial. And the other side, which is around connecting empathically with ourselves and other people and being kind, th- that is just being squashed. And it's whether it's reality TV where you have to lie, and when you come on and and all fight whether you want to or not, and that's served up as normality. Or whether it's the kind of social media trolling we see and all sorts of aspects to do with not connecting directly with people. Um, So it is also partly social media. Again, that's a huge discussion.
0: Yeah, it is. But I think it, it does come into procrastination in the sense that we're just filling our minds up with a whole bunch of stuff that's wearing us down, that's sending us on the wrong path, both morally and with how we occupy our time. And all of these things then kind of stop us focusing on what is important and a sense of achievement around what is the work that we're meant to be doing, whether it's work-work or um, personal senses of purpose around family. I know. I, I think it was a, a minor tangent. I wouldn't call it a totally separate discussion.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's get to procrastination. Yes. So basically the state and trait. So you can procrastinate every now and then mm-hmm. um, when you're in a particular state of a circumstance where you don't like what you're doing and you really don't want to finish it but you just know you, you, you need to, so, so you do go off and, and delay something or or change what you're doing, or get distracted by something else. And that's not nearly as difficult, and it's also not nearly as depressing for people as people who are trait procrastinators. So trait procrastinators are about habit. So whereas a a state procrastinator will have a break, they will tend to come back on task, a trait procrastinator is really bad, um, because what they tend to do is they have habits of of what they use instead. So, So the main things you have to think about then are what goal are you pursuing when you're procrastinating mm. and one of the problems is if you procrastinate constantly about something then the, the value you've given that is less than the value you're giving to the distractions that you're picking up so so you have to try and improve somehow the value of what you the big thing you're trying to achieve so really start to kind of recast it in your mind and or else discount the the value of the thing that's distracting you and think, well, do I really need this dress or do I really want to watch that for five minutes? What am I going to actually get out of it?
0: Or do I really need to read another article about Donald Trump? (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know those sorts of things. So, so is this as valuable as what I'm doing? So, so the first thing then to think about is is the goal pursuit. What is the goal that I am actually pursuing? Because sometimes we, especially if it's a big future goal, we're not very good at thinking about it, Mm. and and so that's another big part of procrastination. Is that whole kind of when you have a very long range goal, then it's it's I think economically it's called delay discounting. So if your goal is a long time in the future. You get a delayed reward. So people being people, and it's and part of that other discussion was we're actually noting that it's getting worse because people are getting more short term and more they want uh, more reward more quickly. It becomes quite difficult when your actual reward for for finishing this job is a long way away. So the obvious thing to do then is to make it seem closer. So divide it up, give yourself little rewards maybe for, for steps, you know, those sorts of things. Viv- really vividly imagine what it feels like to eventually get your master's or finish that project or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And a big part of the whole thing we're talking about then is applying yourself. So that's when you and I started to talk about that whole procrastination monkey around the, the aspect of willpower. Mm. So because procrastination is, is not actually about capability, it's about motivation, right? You can yeah. be very good at something but procrastinate over doing it.
0: Uh, that happens to me. That happens to me absolutely often. So what's happening there?
1: Right, it's about willpower. Okay. So with all of these things, willpower is the issue because you need to you need to do something which is mentally more taxing and that's usually where why we procrastinate. We do the easy stuff because it's quick and easy. Mm. We procrastinate over the stuff that we have to we have to put our our mental efforts into. So what happens when we need to bring willpower into the fore is willpower is like a muscle uh the more you use it the more you exercise it the stronger it gets so some fascinating work around willpower um one of the things that quite a few people have done now is test even test people's capacity to do something difficult so one after they've used willpower so when i talk about willpower when i discuss it with say groups of people or I give a, a keynote afterwards what I'll say to people who are saying I'm finding really really difficult to do x this is something I always procrastinate over and I'll say okay are you left or right-handed hmm. um, I'm right-handed right so for the next two weeks you will use your left hand for everything humanly possible and you're going to hate it your brain is going to keep saying no I want to use the right hand because of course it's a habit it's a pattern breaker. That's where our skill is. It's efficient. And you will push yourself and you will use your left hand, whether it's cleaning your teeth, whether it's scrubbing your body in the shower, whether it's making a cup of tea, you'll use that left hand. And what you're doing is forcing your brain to do something it doesn't want to do. And what it does is so, so it brings in all sorts of, um, of capabilities to drive through the, no, I just don't want to do it. Because when you do it anyway, you build up that kind of resilient bounciness in your brain. And at the end of that two weeks, if I was to give you a complex problem and then get you to do the willpower thing for two weeks and then give you a similar complex problem, you'd be better at it.
0: Really? So this is the yes, we can exercise.
1: (laughs) Yes, because when we have a complex problem to do, we have to bring more of our brain to it. And it's harder. It's more taxing. So the brain will tend to wander off and procrastinate if it can. Once you, once you train your brain, person with strong willpower, what they're very good at is saying, nah, well, I just have to get this done. Just do it. And they drive through it and they finish it. And they've gotten to the stage where because it is a habit, once you know the feeling of driving through something and actually getting something finished, that is a very good reinforcer for being able to do it next time. So you know you can do it. It improves the capability to bring to the fore, to bring to bear all of the cognitive effort you need and, and the emotional resilience and the emotional control that you also need so that you stay on task and you don't just give in. And it's really interesting, but it makes, because it, it, it actually builds better brain. It builds a brain that can deal with complex issues and difficult processes. So that's why things like sport or catching the bus makes kids better at maths when they're in school. It's why, you know, there's, there's, it, there's some fascinating ties around that. Mm. Um, so, so willpower becomes really important and building up willpower becomes, um, yeah, becomes a really important part of then minimising procrastination and being able to tell the difference between am I just having a a bit of a rest or delaying something for a relevant reason or am I sitting in this because I'm procrastinating and I don't want to do it?
0: Interesting. So like that example where you've said, you know, do everything with your left hand for a couple of weeks if you're right-handed and then attack that problem again and you'll be better at it, does the same thing, could we use our left hand or our right hand, whichever one we are and doing the opposite, for a couple of weeks and then start to actually recognise that we actually love the gym more or we don't want that piece of that extra piece of chocolate cake more? Does it work in a generalised sense across our personal lives as well?
1: Well, it's working. It's, it's doing some of the same things but in different areas of your brain. So what you mm-hmm. start to do is you start to connect different rewards with the behaviour. And so when, when all we do is say I hate X all the time, we don't unpack it and say, well, is there anything that we like about it? And making yourself do it anyway means that you allow your brain to be more nuanced in how it picks up information and and you 're changing a habit so when you try and change a habit of for the next two weeks each day, I will go to the gym for twenty minutes um whether I want to or not, then you start learning all of these things that you like about the gym that you didn 't you couldn 't learn before because you didn 't do it enough you didn 't actually give it enough of a pattern. Of behavior, because our brains learn to to accept the positive parts of what we do, as as well as you know, rule out the negative parts. It'll and so a couple of other things about about willpower yes. that's important to think about. Willpower will naturally be stronger when you have slept and when you have glucose, because when you might need to make a a difficult decision, a complex decision then you because we've agreed now that you take more cognitive effort you burn oxygen and glucose so again another example was i think on it was a person who was speaking on radio national and he gave a great example of them doing a study with some i think it was judges and they were they were on a panel to hear people wanting to be able to get out of jail. And so they were on a parole board. And the pattern of parole in the country they were in, um, there was quite a lot of recidivism. So there was quite a lot of people that would reoffend, which means that if you make a wrong decision and let them out, you look bad. So the, so the safer reward is just to say no. And they found that in the morning, after people had been well slept, they had all the right hormones in their brain because I won't bore you with all the chemicals. And, then, and they'd had a breakfast. And so they were nicely topped up with all of the fuel for your brain to make decisions. They paroled more people. And it dropped over time till almost at the end of the day they paroled nobody. And there was there was a couple of kind of blips in the middle um when they stopped and maybe had a cup of tea and a biscuit. So again, you have that abstraction, you're not on task, you're you're letting go and relaxing your brain a bit, and you're also taking in fuel. So Why am I talking about this? Think about when you need to make decisions and what kind of decisions you need to make. So don't make important decisions at night when you're tired and hungry is a really important (laughs) thing to think about because neurophysiologically it's a very bad move. Um, It's also the reason why when you come home at, you know, 7 o'clock at night or something, if you've been working and you've had a hard day and then you have to organise stuff and finally you plop down on the couch at 10 and you think, right, this is my time. The the reason why we then go on eBay and buy things we don't want and or need and eat junk food. One of those reasons is because our willpower is really low. Oh. So we make bad decisions and we and we don't have the willpower to, to say, no, I don't need that. We also don't have the willpower to think I'm tired, I should be going to bed.
0: Yes, my um, doctor would say this is exactly why you need to go to bed at 10 o'clock because anything that happens yes. after 10 o'clock is yeah. often either a bad decision or robbing you of sleep, which then sends a catapult of a whole bunch of other stuff off.
1: That's right, mm. yeah. and and uh, So that's willpower that, that's working there at night. Um, and so the problem is the lower the willpower – the worse the decisions we make and, so, and we don't have the willpower to bring. So it's a very interesting problem. And in fact, one of the fascinating um, aspects of that is, is things like dieting. The people who go on harsh diets, one of the reasons why you, you bounce and cheat is because what we've just explained is if you need to make a hard decision, you actually need glucose to do that. You need fuel and you need to be... Yeah, you need to be fueled up to do it, to exert willpower. And if you're starving, you don't have any. So one of the real problems is you need to actually eat to not eat.
0: Yes, well, (laughs) you just need to eat better. You don't need to eat less, which is absolutely what all of the research is showing. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. because if we malnourish ourselves, which most often many diets can do to a certain extent, especially if you stay on them for a long time, what you're saying is is we then lose our willpower to the point where we then have that massive elastic jump back into the absolute wrong direction yes. and eat anything and everything in front of us.
1: Yes, so okay. take care of your willpower. Take Take care of your, the capacity to be able to make good decisions and exert willpower. So get the sleep, have the right food and take the time um, as well to... You know, to decide on the the best way forward for making that decision. And then also remove the cues. So if you know that willpower is low, don't have the junk food in at night. Don't turn on your, don't have your iPod on your lap because we yeah. also know that that, um, that messes up melatonin and keeps you awake. So it's a double negative so just don't let it happen. Or have one of those timers on the TV. You know, I used, I did that a few years ago when we were all studying. There was a house full of people doing PhDs or Masters or whatever, all of us. And so we had a very weird sleeping kind of habit. And so what we did was we put a timer on the television where it just turned off the power. And. Most of the time, it worked. We just got up and it was only if there was something absolutely super wonderful and we allowed each other to to finish it. But but that was, you know, that had to happen maybe 10 times a year. Yeah, so sometimes you've got to really help yourself with creating new habits. So again, we're going back to the, the fact that it's about creating new habits. It's creating new patterns for your brain.
0: And how long do you think it takes us to establish a new habit, a new positive habit?
1: Uh, lots of different work around that. Um, it seems to be around eight to ten weeks. Okay. Um, and then someone will argue with me straight away. So I've seen I've seen things right from six weeks right through to twelve to fourteen. It seems to partly depend on how big the habit is and how difficult it is to break and how many cues are around you, because you've got internal and external cues around habits. So internally, it's it's um what's driving you and that is the sheer My brain now knows to do this, so it doesn't have to think if I just do it more. And so changing that, which is the muscle willpower, do something you don't like and just get on with it. Um, But externally, there are cues all the time that reinforce the behavior that we have. So we have to look at what is it in my environment? Is it, you know, and that's people and it's places and it's things and so what what is around me that's cueing me to do this? Whether it's um for some people it's things like cue smoking or cue drinking, cue eating. So you, you just wrap other habits around it. So if you're a cue eater in front of the TV, the really easy, simple thing um is don't do it. Get don't eat your dinner in front of a television. We always still eat our dinner at a table. We have nothing. We have no you know, We might have the radio on or music, but we don't have anything to, to look at because as soon as you engage visually with something while you're eating, you just become a rote eater because the visual – cues that you're picking up so that's a television or an ipad or whatever um that take up more than 50 percent of your brain power and you stop concentrating on your food which means that you don't taste it and you also eat more so there's all sorts of reasons why you know really good reasons why you don't do that apart from the fact that it's really nice to touch base and discuss stuff with people you live with um,
0: absolutely for me eating around a table together is the it's the number one way that a family can stay connected to the people around them that yeah, they love. Yeah, exactly. Know, when else do we yep, get that exactly. time in this crazy, busy life? Yeah, essential. Yeah,
1: that's right. It's often only a dinner table nowadays because even the morning, unless they're smaller children, um, then we... Tend to only get that capacity um, at night.
0: Absolutely. And with the smaller children, what I've found in running the Thrive course around children and, and cultivating great food habits in kids is so many families actually didn't realise the impact of having a television on in terms of not being able to get their kids to eat a variety of foods. Yes. You know, it's just, and it's amazing how if you turn the TV off, and you're just sitting there with them and you're there with them also eating and eating the broccoli and all the other yummy things, they're connected to you and watching you as their entertainment, if you like, and, and soaking you in and they're seeing what you're doing and, of course, they're going to want to do the same thing. It's really quite amazing how these little things impact
1: yeah. And they're also using again, they're using different parts of their brain, which are not being distracted off into um, into the visual stimuli. They're actually using different forms of those kind of nuanced aesthetic areas around taste and structure and texture and and all of those sorts of things, which you just do not concentrate on mm. if you're again if you're distracted doing yes. something else. You know, we, we constantly don't let our brains and our minds and our hearts and our bodies and pick up on all of those wonderful nuanced sort of um, signals because we just keep bombarding them with the distraction of technology.
0: <laughs> mm, that's exactly right. I think, you know, the, that difference between abstraction, you know, taking our mind off things and going and and clearing our mind and distraction, which is the technology, is one of the really key things that have come out of today for me. Oh, good. Yeah, really great. (laughs) And uh, obviously the other thing is, you know, there can be state procrastinating, which is, you know, just a, a normal healthy person who can normally get on with it and do the job just needs to change their scene for a few minutes or even an hour to get. Back to a complex problem or something they really just don't want to track, uh, tackle. Yeah, but yeah, then there's yep. the trait procrastinating, which is around a lot more around personal stuff, or simple things like admin that you know you can do. It's just that you aren't doing them. Um, and uh, I absolutely love the idea of building up a resistance. And, um, and nurturing our willpower with that sleep, food and a bit more abstraction. So great. Is there anything you like you absolutely want to to issue as maybe like a little challenge for us all for the next two weeks? Ooh,
1: um, well, maybe when you do find your yourself. So the first thing is I'd love everybody to, to try and strengthen their willpower and that, that two weeks of doing something different, I chose things like, oh, I don't know, like cleaning my teeth, like um, squeegeeing the shower with my other leg. In fact, I I just about everything um, I tried with my other hand, and I still do it. I regularly give myself new things to do with my other hand, and I'm fairly ambidextrous now, and so that's interesting for me. Uh, but the other aspect is is to try and identify when you are procrastinating compared to when you're just properly delaying or but just having a bit of an escape for a positive reason and then to say okay so why because when we procrastinate we often kind of <laughs> you know we'll, we'll tell little lies we'll say oh this this will be okay tomorrow or i really am good at pressure deadlines um and they're just cons <laughs> you know um, darn it um, you've yeah, exposed sure. me fiona
0: you've exposed uh, you, me you
1: betcha <laughs> Yeah. Um, And so, and you're not going to get any more urge tomorrow than you did today. So um, yeah, it's, it's basically stuff like, well, it's, it's not important enough just right now. Something else is more important. And again, that's that stuff about being lured off. So it gets back to sort of even discussing with someone else, but agreeing, what is it that I'm doing? Why am I delaying it? Am I discounting what I'm going to get in the future? So just how do I bring those rewards forward? And Um, And looking at your motivation and just in the end, these are the discussions I have with my my younger 20-year-old all the time. Mm. That you just in the end quite often you just have to sit yourself down and say do it yeah <laughs> um, and that sounds yeah. really really easy but that's all of the things we've been talking about so so look at the goal pursuit look at the the value that you're ascribing to it and and get yourself to go do I really need to do this when again you have flitted off and you're looking at something you shouldn't on you know Etsy or or something like this um which of course is lovely but that need that you, you need to manage that really well. Uh, my older one just he shuts off the web whenever he's trying to write something because he just knows otherwise he will flip onto it. Yeah. So now that he knows that about himself, he cuts that off. Um yeah, so it's about it's about deciding on on the motivation, on why you are discounting things, on why you are not pursuing this goal and reframing that for yourself and um, and then doing those other things we talked about at the beginning, having the little breaks, getting up, getting yourself sort of mentally shaking your head and 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 not get, and getting out of the rut, going for your small walk yeah, and just then chunking it up so that you, you don't get into this really difficult habit and then go, oh, this is too hard and just I'll do it tomorrow and up you get. So find out why you're doing it, which are all the things we've been talking about, and then... Then also reward yourself for the small things that you're doing across, you know, over time as well, because you've been made a procrastinator by the way that you have lived um, and you can make yourself better. You can you can learn new habits, you can strengthen your capability not to procrastinate and and you really can improve your own motivation to do something and you start to actually feel good about getting it done instead of just feeling bad about not getting it done. <laughs> so yeah. that's what you yeah. want to slip into. You want to slip into learning to feel good about getting it done rather than feeling yeah, negative about yourself and, oh, I always put this off because that just leads to you know being depressed and procrastinating even more.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we don't need to feel like that. Thank you so much for this chat. I, I got so much out of it. I've closed uh, six tabs uh, along my desktop, <laughs> including <laughs> Etsy, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> I love
1: Etsy. <laughs> I get all my dead stock, beautiful 60s <laughs> jackets from Etsy. <laughs> Only in very certain times. <laughs> yeah, and look, I think it's all
0: of us, right? You know, everybody has uh, these patterns around different things and it's it's all just about... Being easy on yourself and feeling excited and positive towards what we are going to change rather than exactly, as you just said, feeling down on ourselves for being non-accomplishers.
1: Yeah, I think being kind to yourself rather than easy on yourself. Okay, kind, We are often kind. easy yes. on ourselves. You're absolutely
0: <laughs> right. It is the society of instant gratification and I do believe that needs yeah. to end. So kindness versus easy. So. Yes, that's a beautiful distinction.
1: Yeah, yeah. tough love. I yeah. think you have to have tough love for yourself as well as others. Yeah, you you have to go, right, girl. Get
0: on with it. Yeah, I'm great at that with my little guy. Beautiful, tough love moments and and boundaries. And there's never a sense that I don't absolutely love and adore him, but there is a sense that there are boundaries. And I think, of course, it's always easier to tell people what to do than to do it for yourself. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this takes all of us and having some listeners share their successes over the next few weeks. (laughs) Good. Thanks again. I'm sure we will chat about something fabulous in another few months. And, yeah, thank you so much for your time.
1: You're welcome. See you. Bye.
0: thank you so much for joining me for today's show check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you you can find us on instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media i absolutely love bringing you the show thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left it helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of.